0: Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, how about that? What a night in the NBA. The Clippers beat the Lakers sweep the season series. Not only does LeBron not play, but AD doesn't play. He's got back spasms. He's got an ankle thing. But he thinks he's going to be able to play tomorrow night in Portland. And that's a huge game. And AD, with an interesting spin, talking to the media about they don't want to be in the playing games, but clearly they need games together to get back into rhythm and play their best basketball. And they're still thinking title and they're not giving up on it and all that kind of stuff. And they need games. And he says, if they have to come in the play in series, so be it. It's not what we want. We don't want to be in it, but eh, we need games if we get them there. <laughs> so Dallas won last night. Dallas beat the Nets. Um, we'll have David Locke on later this morning. And, you know, Locke's series on, on the net is that they're going to score so many points if they have their whole team, uh, their, their bad defense isn't going to matter. But, of course, they don't have their whole team. Harden's out. Durant played. He was wildly inefficient. Only made about a third of his shots. Uh, Kyrie Irving had an awesome night and scored 45 points and 17 of 31 shooting and all that. But the Mavericks got the win. They got the lead. Uh, kind of middle of the fourth quarter, and they got the lead up to seven. And then the Nets were scoring, but they couldn't get stops and they couldn't get back in the game. They couldn't get it down to a one possession game, let alone have the ball and a chance to tie or take the lead. So the Mavericks get the win, and with the Lakers, you know, LeBron's going to be out. Uh, for tonight's game against Portland, somebody's got to lose there. If you're the Mavericks, you got to keep winning and taking care of business. You're going to pick up another game on the 7th place team. The Mavericks here, they, they're they in 5th, and they've got a clear path to holding on to 5th. It's not a done deal. It's not a lock. But there's obviously a path for them. They're better than the Blazers, and they're better than the injured Lakers. And now they've got a one-game lead. So. The Mavericks in fifth could be the first of the eight playoff teams where we really nail down. This is it. Dallas is going to be the five (laughs) seed. The season ends a week from Sunday, and maybe we can finally see where one team is going to finish. I think the Jazz should finish one. I think if the Jazz beat the Nuggets tonight, they are the heavy favorite to finish one. Uh, Now, PK was just saying, well, if the... Suns win in Atlanta. They're the heavy favorite to finish one. And there's a certain logic to that. And then, of course, they didn't win in Atlanta, so it doesn't matter. There goes that theory out the window. And the Jazz may not be Denver tonight. So that theory could go right out the window, too. But I think that given the fact here that the Jazz closed the season six games, and three of them are against really bad teams that have nothing left to play for in Sacramento, Houston, and Oklahoma City. Um, when those three, now you got three games, you're going to go two and one or one and two in these other games. You know, you're, you're kind of playing middling teams like the Warriors, so on any one night might get you. But they're a 500-team, and the Jazz have largely been destroying the middle of the league. Minnesota accepted, thank you very much. The Washington Wizards accepted, thank you very much. So, largely, uh, they've been doing well against the middle of the league. There have been a couple pretty significant exceptions to that statement. I get that. Um, now, Lakers and Portland, if Dallas is going to be 5, then Lakers and Portland for 6-7. And if you're seven and you lose, maybe you win and you're eight. And if the Jazz get the one, you know. So, I know they're doing this dance where nobody really wants to play a healthy Laker team, but it may not be a healthy Laker team, and the Jazz still may not play them. But right now, it seems like the Lakers could end up six, seven, eight, or out. You know, if, if they got to play in these playing games and the guys aren't healthy, their two stars aren't healthy. Um, AD's quotes: He's planning on playing in Portland. Um, but how does your back feel after a night's sleep? Anybody who's ever had back problems can tell you that no matter how you feel one day, you might feel differently the next. I don't know what to tell you. He plays if he walks out there in the jump circle. That's what I think. Um, even if they say he's going to play at 5 o'clock, you know, you can, you can get up out of a chair and all of a sudden, yeah, I'm not playing tonight. <laughs> it hurts too bad. Things change. It just happens. All right, we'll get into that as the morning progresses. Coming up, Craig Bollerjack, Joe Ingles. Stay with us.
1: From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Who's ready to talk a little jazz basketball? We got Joe Ingles coming up. We got Craig Jack right now. We had them both late in the show yesterday. We will never get them in the 6 a.m. hour, so always make sure we have them for you, the early risers. Bowler will drop a few last nights. He always does. He can't help himself. But you get the point. And the Jazz, look at this. A game up on the Suns. Big games coming up tonight with the Jazz at home against Denver. And the Phoenix Suns are also in action tonight. They actually have to... uh, they got a little running games here. They got the Lakers coming up on the weekend. So we'll see how this goes. All right. Here's Bowler with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 of the zone. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. DJ and PK in the morning is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Bowler, good morning.
2: David James, Patrick Kinahan, how are you?
0: Good. Well, I'm good. PK's great. <laughs> and the reason is. Cut that up, Yak. Our mood <laughs> is determined 100% by how the Jazz are playing. There's you. nothing else in our life. We are freakishly shallow people with very few links to other human beings. Cut that up, Yach. And PK announced, and yeah. he, is, he is on board with this 100%, he has said this multiple times, that he has never had more confidence in the Jazz and their ability to play basketball at a very high level than he has right now. This season. This season, yeah. He's, a weird, yeah. He's, not, he's not going back to the statues. Now we're talking yeah. this year, right now. Peak moment for the 2020-2021 campaign. Now, Bowler, are you also at the top of the wave in terms of confidence? Or like me, are you still looking at two guys injured on the bench? Like, when do you come back, and how long does it take to get the rust off and be ready to go?
2: Hmm, good conversation. I had the same combo with Locke last night about – the, the level of play right now, which is really impressive, which I would, would agree with PK because the ability to adjust and continue to run their offense and play the defense that they are without Conley and Datavan is impressive. My next concern would be, and I'm not trying to be a negative guy here, but now blending those two back in when they come back and how does that work? Look, If they can adjust without them, I'm guessing they can adjust with them back. They're all stars, right? And they can make the adjustment adjustments as well. If you look at it on on a a real positive side, which I know PK is Mister Positive. Yeah, no question. That's the way he lives his
3: life. As a positive, always sunny, Always. always sunny and sandy. Yes, always. Danny
0: DeVito, Pat Kinahan, it's a heck of a show.
3: It's a heck of a
2: show. And what happens is that what you have found out is that you have multiple young players that have shown their ability to adjust as well. And it's a deep team. Uh, And the other part of that is that they understand they're coming back. And so they're getting their minutes. They're playing for contracts. They're also playing for a purpose. But also, I think they understand, too, when these, when Donovan and, and Mike come back, things are going to change up again. Right now, I'm intrigued with the way they play. Look, uh, Joe has done a great job. In fact, uh, is, is this a warm-up show before Joe comes on today? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Tell Joe, uh, you know, his stage show is really building, and uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I'm impressed. I mean, you know, he's kept his cool. He's running the show. Uh, you know, Bogdanovich, I think, has been the total – game changer for the jazz at the moment where his game, instead of standing outside, he's uh, and trying to hit threes, he's he's been the most aggressive. This must been the most aggressive uh, part of the season for him and the most I think he's playing his best basketball, honestly. I mean, making decisions, um, less turnovers, free throw attempts as he as, as he's been driving to the rim. So, you know, it's an amazing thing to watch, again, the team. It's a team, and they're able to make these adjustments, and uh, they're still a game up now, despite all the woes um, with the injuries of Donovan and Conley, to make it to this point with, amazingly, six games left. Man, that's it, six. Three home, three road.
3: Yeah, I think Bogdanovich is the number one uh, reason why I have this most confidence this season Because as I look at this team and into him individually, when the team was going well, he couldn't buy a basket to the point where he he was willingly talking about it that this is the worst struggle he's ever had. And I was saying earlier to DJ that, okay, I didn't follow you that much when you were over in the Eastern Conference because we obsess about the Jazz in the Western Conference, but I did follow you every game last year and you weren't as bad and you acknowledged it. Right now, since he's been here, this just about the completion of the two seasons. This last stretch, it's the complete opposite. You, you, by your own acknowledgement, you never you said you hadn't struggled like this. Now I'm not sure he's ever played as certainly in a jazz uniform. In my thought, he yeah. hasn't played this well. So I get that when the other two stars come back. Some of the role guys, Joe Wingles is not going to have the ball as much. Yang's probably not going to give him many shots. I understand all that. But Bogdanovich, even last year with those two guys, was still putting up 20 a game. And, and Mike needed a whole season to assimilate. And I believe he's assimilated now. But the point I'm making is they go into the postseason, and I'm assuming they're going to get the two guys back. Maybe I'm wrong to do it. But I'm assuming they're going to get the two guys back. And Bogdanovich... Is going to go into this postseason with the highest level of confidence he's probably ever had as an NBA player, knowing he can do so much. So he's going to add to it. Not that it's not going to be subtracted. He may not get as many shots, but the shots he gets and the plays that he makes, he's going to have a whole lot of confidence going forward. And I think that, to me, has been partially because the other guys have been out and he has had these opportunities. Plus, somewhere along the line, whether it's coaching or an individual decision, they told him, hey, if you got an opportunity, how about you start driving to the basket? Yeah, And yeah, so no, it's looking point. like he is at the top of his game right now. Yeah. No,
2: I agree. I don't think he's played better basketball at this moment for the Jazz in the last uh, six to eight games. And... What he's done is decided he starts early, which has been a huge benefit for the Jazz. Uh, and what he's doing is not parking himself outside. He is. He's got a lot of mismatches. He's got a big body. He's driving to the rim. He's taking advantage of scoring. He's more confident than ever. I, you know. And, again, it goes back to, PK, to your point about the depth of this team but also the confidence that Bogey will bring in postseason play. How many times have we heard Bogey wasn't in the bubble bogey wasn't in the bubble because of the wrist injury and the surgery that he had i think it's taken and you talk about assimilating uh it took bogey to reassimilate himself to the jazz and maybe his own mind his own confidence right after the surgery we saw him flex the hand constantly he wrapped it he tried all multiple things maybe for the first time it takes time to recover from surgeries uh, but it's it's a shooting hand, so maybe he's finally forgotten about it, right? Maybe he's now more confident with the drive. Maybe he doesn't feel the sting as he once did, and I think that's what we're we're watching—a guy who's finally returned to his level, and he went through all the highs and lows, mostly lows, by the way. As you said, when you when you get in front of a microphone and you actually, as a professional athlete, talk about, I'm not. I'm not at the level I should be. I'm playing the worst basketball of my career. And then to able to turn it around with coaching or his teammates encouraging him. And then he sees that opening when Mike and Donovan are out to be the guy to help to help this team push through a really difficult time. If he doesn't roll into the postseason with a load of confidence, I'm stunned because right now he is playing at the highest of levels and the Jazz are are benefiting by, by the play of William Bogdanovich.
0: So do you expect uh, Conley and Mitchell back in the regular season? Or do you think these last six games, the Jazz just go as they've gone. It's going pretty well. They play three teams that are not even in the playoff hunt for the 10th spot. So they're playing three pretty lousy teams that that are basically done. So do they just roll with these guys and the other guys come back for the playoffs now, which buys them another almost full week to get healthy?
2: Well, the only concern I have is, again, as we just talked about, is playing those guys back in a little bit. I still think it takes a couple of games. Um, you know, look, Mike's been around, and so is Donovan. I mean, we think of him older than he actually is because of the way he plays. But I'd be more comfortable to see him get a couple of games and maybe uh, the last two road games to to as PK say, you know, re into the into the into the rotation, and let the other players also understand the role a little bit more of what they're going to do. And maybe Quinn does. Most coaches always say they tighten up a rotation in postseason play. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case for Quinn and this team because so many moving parts uh, have been successful this year. But I still think it's important to get them back on the floor. But, of course, they have to be ready, right? I mean, the Jazz aren't going to push them. That hamstring has been an issue since Conley came to the Jazz, and Donovan's really working through his first major injury uh, as a professional. So, um, you know, you hear all sorts of reports uh, of maybe this, maybe that. But, again, I'm no doctor. I mean, those guys know their bodies better than anybody. But if if you could draw it up, I would like to see them play three of the last six, uh, together and then formulate that plan of rotation before they just, you know, whoever they're, if they finish one, they finish two. And then they have to wait for the playing games to, to know who their, uh, you know, first round opponent is. And, um, you know, I, it, it'd be good to see them back if they can't, the jazz have obviously proven right now that they can continue to win the big, another good, great test is, there's a couple of tests coming up. Uh, Denver tomorrow night, and then you also see the Blazers. Uh, so those are a couple of games you can kind of, uh, again, judge how far the Jazz have come without Mike and uh, and Donovan. But I think the Denver Nuggets, again, have been a, a thorn in the Jazz side. I thought Jamal Murray's injury would put them down, but in fact it's, it's motivated them, much like the Jazz losing – Two all-stars. They lose Jamal Murray and Jokic, and a guy named Austin Rivers, who they signed, has played extremely well for them off the bench. He knocked down twenty-five last night. So uh, those are going to be, you know, good tests again prior to prior to the postseason.
3: So, a lot of times uh, you get to the arena early, obviously in the home games you're there, and you see guys that aren't currently uh, on the roster in terms of health, but they're still working out a little bit. Have you seen either of the two do any, any of that stuff before the game? No,
2: they're basically PK still doing you know behind the scenes work. Honestly, I've seen Donovan take one very mild jump shot in his street clothes. That's it. <laughs> so, you know, it's still behind the scenes. They, they're, if they're working out, it's basically uh, at the uh, you know basketball Zion's Bank basketball campus. Uh, but I still think it's still in that process of you know the rehab process, whether it's at the arena or at the practice facility. Uh, but no, we haven't seen them jump on the floor and do any sprints up and down the floor. At least I haven't. And, you know, I get there before the players even jump on the floor and, you know, they go through their, their typical warm-ups uh, with their, uh, their coaches. So um, maybe still time is something that, that, that Donovan needs along with Mike and, uh, you know, Mitchell's an- injury, ankle injury. If you look back at the replay, that still was pretty wicked. And uh, luckily – You know, it came out clean on the MRI, but it takes time, man. It takes time, especially the way he plays uh, as well, explosive play. And I think the Jazz will be more cautious uh, than than to try to see him get back on the floor. Uh, I'm guessing it will be later than sooner. But, you know, he's 24. Maybe he heals faster. But they want to make sure he's right before they hit the, the road to the playoffs.
0: Craig Bolderjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us. Uh, I'm curious when you talk to, and I, I know you can't talk to nearly as many people, there are places in the arena you can't go, the COVID protocols and all that, but... If you're talking to broadcasters with other teams, and uh, I know you're on Zoom calls that you don't participate in because I know you're following stuff, doing your homework. I I see you once in a while lurking in the background, Bowler. I know what you're doing. And so I'm curious what the feeling around the league is. Everybody's looking at the Lakers. Everybody is picking the Lakers—not everybody, but the vast majority of people are picking the Lakers if they're healthy to defend their title. And it's gotten to the point now that they aren't healthy. The fact that LeBron came back and then had to go away again is a huge red flag, and people still don't want to count him out because— he's been so good for so long and they just won the title so I'm wondering if there's any feeling talk around the league, do they know anything are they thinking the same thing P.K. and I are thinking about his health what do you know?
2: Well I'm I'm with you guys, I'm basically heard the same things that there is concern in L.A. because he did come back and then he had to basically pull himself back out uh, of this lineup and you know they're, they're and you can tell he's not happy, uh, you know, whenever he voices opinion right about the play-in format. Yeah, okay, cool, whatever. Now, since they are on the brink of falling into that category, then, of course, he doesn't like it because it means that that doesn't, you know, guarantee him a, a postseason appearance. But, you know, as LeBron, I think there's a, the respect that he has is, is earned. And that's the one thing that I've always felt, look, you may love him, you may not. Uh, The bottom line is respect him because of the way that he plays. And if he is healthy and AD is healthy, yeah, they're going to be an incredible opponent to take on. You know, what would be incredible if you see the Clippers-Lakers in the 4-5 spot? Um, Wow. Would that open the door for many teams in the West, knowing that one of those teams wouldn't make it out of the first round? I'm sure that's on LeBron's mind, too. But, you know, looking at the standings right now, if we started today, it'd be Jazz Memphis. If it just held steady, it would be Phoenix and the Blazers. It would be Denver and the Lakers. Now, that would be something because that's two good teams and one's not going to make it. And the other one is the Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. And with the way Lucas played, there's a lot of thought about, are they the sleeper, you know, in the West? So, um We'll have to wait and see. I mean, the season ends on the 16th, and the play-in games start, what, two days later, and then the playoffs start on the 22nd. So, I mean, it's just around the corner. Some answers are coming, but to your point, I can't count out the Lakers unless LeBron's on the bench. Uh, Then L.A.'s chances are basically null and void. But if he's on the floor and healthy, then, of course, watch out because I I know what he's done in the past. We We all have seen it. And you have to respect that.
0: Bowler, as always, we enjoy having you on. Whether you're closing for Joe or opening for Joe, it doesn't really matter to us.
2: Well, you know, I'm just looking for tips. You know, I hope he shares the tip jar after his show. uh over, you know, I warm him up, so I've got to, you know, hopefully get a little – little
0: something little, for
2: the effort. Yeah, yeah. But tell him, you know, look, man, just keep, you know, keep being Joe.
0: Bowler, we appreciate it. Good to talk to you, and we'll talk to you again next week.
2: All right, guys. Take care. Have a good weekend.
0: There's Craig Bullerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. He'll be on the call tonight as the Jazz play the Nuggets. And as always, they will be feeding you updates on the score from the Suns game as well. All right. When we come back, Joe Ingles, the man, the myth, the legend. He's coming up next. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from Joe Ingles. He joined us in the 9 o'clock hour at the end of yesterday's show. Had plenty of things to say. Everything from uh, Quinn Snyder to Renee to his teammates to his own stats that he doesn't understand. Joe, on a wide range of topics. Right now on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.
1: Hey, yeah. Joe. And certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jets. Single
0: Bell! Yeah.
1: Joe Ingalls
0: gives it back to Joe to the cops, slams it in. And yes,
1: for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This, this is the Joe Ingles Show <coughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 975-1280 The Zone. And the Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. For a limited time only, get a free Utah Jazz signed Joe Ingles jersey when you open a new dream checking account with direct deposit at Cypress Credit Union. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning, you sound happier and more upbeat. Is that because you haven't got a technical foul and you haven't had to get lectured when you go home recently? You've been keeping it. you been living on the right side of the line, Joe.
4: Um, nah, the technicals don't phase me either way. <laughs> that, that's not, that's not going to ruin my day. Um, no, I'm just. Yeah, you know, the the best thing about it is I think I'm just enjoying the weather. I'm so glad the suns are uh, finally out properly like out and it's shining and it's hot
0: (laughs) i'm with you i think a lot of people
4: are we all are yeah right (laughs) it's been bizarre so i'm glad that i woke up this morning and my lawn was being mowed and i could stand outside and have a coffee and it was a good start to the day
3: yeah for sure uh, I'm wondering how amusing you found that ESPN story that you're leading the league in something or other, because in our time with you, it's quite apparent that of all the NBA players I've ever been around, you probably care least about personal statistics.
4: Um, yeah, I mean it's <laughs> it's funny because I, I mean I genuinely really don't care. Thank um, you. I said it in the, the article with Tim but I everyone was telling me about this stat and I'm like I have no idea what this is like so I, I, I did check it out I tried to like google it to see it and I still had no idea what it really meant and then I still honestly don't really care um, the only thing that made me laugh one time I think it was last week it came up about when I was shooting from three close to 50 or 49 or whatever it was. And um, I think it was a coach basically made a joke saying, well, it just shows that you're not shooting enough if you're shooting that good a percentage. Like, you need to shoot more. So I was like, all right, well, I'll try to shoot some more. So um, that it is what it is. It's, it's whatever, cool or whatever. People can write an article about it. Yeah, they clicked, but uh, I couldn't kill us.
0: So I get the not caring about the individual stat, but the fact is one of the reasons the team has such a good record is because they have so many people who are so efficient when they shoot the ball. I mean you can do a bunch of things great in a game, but if you can't shoot the ball, that's what they give you the points for. That's how they decide who wins. And it doesn't matter if it's free throws, if it's stuff in the lane, if it's three-pointers, you are very efficient. So whichever coach told you, whether it's Quinn or one of the assistants, who said, you need to shoot more because you're that efficient, they are 100% on target. But I also feel like watching you play, that message has been been sinking in. You've probably heard a lot, and you're absorbing it. Am I right?
4: For sure. Um, And... Not a lot in a bad way, as in over, overdoing it or anything, but um, just being, I guess, aware of the fact that I can be a bit more aggressive. Obviously, with, with Mike and Donovan out too, there's 50 extra shots to take between those two. Um, just progressive more being more assertive. Um, the Spurs, for example pick and roll going to my left um, to try and stop my my drive going left and that's why I mean I, I think I missed the first three or four or something but coach was like that's a show you go like... um, so that first time out it was like all right Rudy set it set it a little bit lower and I'm going to shoot it every time and obviously I feel like eventually even if I miss a, a couple of them I'm going to make some um, so I just had to kind of had to stick with it, I guess. And um, that, that's probably a little bit of the difference of in the past, um, probably not kind of more recently, but like earlier on in my career, if I missed those first couple, I was a lot more hesitant to, to keep firing them up. Um, where, re- like, regardless of percentages or field goals or like whatever these stats be. Um, I've just got to keep shooting the shots that are, are there for me to take. And um, obviously, I feel like um, the, the last couple of years, ha- how good my shots felt, uh, I feel like at some point I'm, I'm going to make shots. So, um, yeah, just trying to be a- aggressive and, and aware of the situations that I can be aggressive and can get a shot. Because um, I think we saw that there was a few possessions even last night that we get we don't take some shots that are, that are good shots because we're trying to get a better shot but then we end up getting stuck in late clock and I said it to Trent a couple of times like Trent was almost getting it was like it was he, him getting stuck with the ball with five seconds a bunch of times so we've, uh, we, we've got to take the shots as a team when they're there um, and as unselfish as we are we've got to take um, even though we think we can get a better shot sometimes we've still got to be able to take um, that those good shots
3: So I think a lot of Jazz fans, because they've never won a title, they're scarred and they think that if there's something that can go wrong, it will go wrong, and they worry about stuff. And now it seems like the latest worry is, oh, my gosh, things are going well and guys are playing well. But what's going to happen when Conley and Mitchell get back? I mean, what's going to be able to be done to make sure everybody's playing at a high level? How much concern do you have about those guys being able to come back and jump right back into it?
4: That answer (laughs) your question
3: Yes it does And that's what I thought Your answer would be Uh, But I I don't get I don't get why people worry
4: Exactly Let's not get a twist We won I don't know how many games In the year Before they Like Say before Donovan Did his ankle What was our record Our record was like I don't know 40 something And 8 or 10 or 11 Or something like We won all those games With our full team was, like I missed a couple. Mike might have missed a couple early on. I think Donovan missed one. Um, I think I, like, out of anyone, I think I probably missed the most in that first, like, half of the year with the four games I sat out with my Achilles. Um, so let's not get it twit Like, there's no magic potion that they're out and we're playing well. Like, we were playing probably better with those guys in our team. Um, like, yeah, we've had to figure out Different ways at the moment. Like Trent's come in and played well. Um, different guys, JB, Jarrell's come in and played well. Spot his kind of swap minutes. Like these guys have come in and played well, and I think I think that's a good thing for our group. Because if something does happen, knock on wood, later on in the, the year or in the playoffs, we've got guys that are confident to be able to come in and and, and play meaningful minutes. Uh, I think. Trent's probably the most obvious one to the eye because he's, he's been out there with our main group for for big stretches. Um, but, like, JC's had to, to take more responsibility. I'm playing basically full-time point guard except for when Trent's in the game, um, which is, is different for me. Um, like, George starting it, he, he's played really well. Boyan's um, definitely kind of upped his, his level and probably just more his efficiency in taking it. Taking the shots we wanted him to take early on in the year, um, and obviously also making them. Um, but when those guys come back, it doesn't change. I mean, it's, we've got two more pretty, pretty special players that are going to come in and be aggressive and play their games, and, and we'll all figure it out. I'll go back to the bench, and George will go back to the bench, and we'll, we'll uh, kind of go back to how we were play early on um, for that first kind of half three quarters of the year.
0: You know, I thought there were a couple of really interesting things in that story that ESPN.com did on you and the... Your, your true shooting percentage and all that. There were a couple nuggets in there, and one was you talked about a specific play that bugged you, a coach must have cued it up, where uh, Trevor Ariza was in the paint getting ready to take a charge, and they throw the ball to you, and your three-point shot at that point is so long and so slow that he's able to get all the way out and contest it, and you, your quote sounded like you were horrified. I mean, I, I read it, I didn't hear it, but it, it Having interviewed you enough here on, on your radio show, it just sounded like you were horrified, and there was a big motivator for you to change your game. How de- can you tell people how deep a dive and how detailed these individual film sessions are, and how much some of this stuff sticks with you?
4: Yeah, it's it's almost like uh, one of those things that you like go to bed thinking about because it was my, I think it was my first year. It was it was early on in my career, probably my first year or two. Uh, and at that point Trevor was probably in his prime kind of late 20s early 30s Um, and I I just remember like like whoever driving the ball and throwing it to me and kind of in my mind like sweet I'm going to get a nice like open look Um, and at that stage of my career I wasn't probably shooting well or I was barely shooting so to get an open look was nice and he was he was literally in the paint and he I think he like contested the hell out of it or he might have even blocked it like it was one of those two things that like it was almost that welcome to the NBA of like right, like I'm not going to get my shot off if I don't speed it up or kind of become more efficient with like the mechanics of catching it and getting it to my my shot pocket and shooting it and um yeah I mean you break it down with coach with your individual coach um and it's, it's an emphasis, I guess, in my... It was an emphasis, my in my shooting sessions going forward, of, like, yeah, if I want to play here and I want to play well and I want to help the team and I want to stay on the court, um, I'm going to have to figure this out. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a moment that has stuck with me because uh, I still remember it to this day. But, yeah, I just had to... You know, I guess it opened my eyes to, like, oh, I'm going to have to put in the work to to get in the gym and, and get my shot off quicker and figure it out and, um, I remember like also those first few sessions like you missing a ton of shots because it's, it's not that I changed my technique of my shot but the the speed of it needed to be like almost like <laughs> like double the speed that it was like I would we've talked about it here but like catch it and kind of drop it down and then bring it back up it was like Almost to the point where I'm at now, where like wherever I catch it, I I need to shoot it from. So um, yeah, it was a lot of time and effort and kind um, of lonely nights so or days, just kind of shooting and shooting and repetitive. And um, but I obviously feel like it got me to the point where I'm at now, where if I catch it higher, I can shoot it from there. If I catch it lower, I feel like the speed from getting it from my hip or even like there's been um passes when they've kind of like got deflected and they bounce to you and they're almost rolling and you've got to like pick it up and shoot it from that position because of the shot clock so any of those positions at times now i I feel like very confident that i can make the shot but um yeah it's a it's a process i think yeah everyone goes through it whatever level you've played at there's there's no um more athletic or fast or or whatever league in the world than the nba so if you're the NBL in college in Europe, wherever you are, the, the speed is, is doubled or tripled or, or whatever it is. So um, everyone goes through it to, to a certain extent.
3: Yeah, and we've seen that. And we've that, that one where you catch it around the neck and be able to shoot it or even higher has really been a phenomenal... Uh, progression and advancement in your game I'm wondering about that finger roll that you had I hadn't seen that or seen that many times I mean and it was against the Spurs and I don't know if you knew of a guy named George Gervin who back in way back perfected that finger roll is that something you practice
4: um, I have shot it before it, I actually thought I was gonna be like at the, the position I was um, I was gonna like ball, fail. I was going to shoot a floater, and he kind of backed off even more than big, and I realised probably too late that he backed off, and I still could have shot a obviously still could have shot a floater because nobody was there. But I just figured a layup's a bit easier, and probably a higher percentage thing going to shoot a floater. If you shoot a floater a little bit too long, it's coming off the back rim. At least if I lay it up, I've, I've got the rim and the backboard to, to kind of let it roll around and, and hopefully drop in. So. Um yeah, I definitely wasn't planning to shoot that, but at the last kind of split second I realized he dropped off and I just wanted to I wanted to just make a shot to be honest with you, so whatever I had to do to, <laughs> for it to go in.
0: Uh you also talked in that story about as you shorten the motion and we've seen it, you can now catch a pass right on your forehead and shoot it in one quick motion. It is like the shortest, quickest, most efficient shot I could uh I could imagine, but I've also seen enough passes hit you in the forehead. I, I'm at the point I don't really believe that's an accident anymore. How much are your teammates dialed into all of this and aware of where you need the ball, and they're really precise with where they throw it?
4: Yeah, I mean, we've got um, little, like, I don't know, like sayings or jokes within the team, um, or, or coach, like coach, you guys know, coach, coach comes up with, like, some crazy-ass name for, like, everything. So um, there was one day that, I don't know what point it was, it was probably, I'm, I'm assuming it was after a day we had like 30 turnovers and he was probably losing his mind and was 15 coffees deep at 5am and hadn't slept. And um, one of those days and he, he came in talking about throw, like throwing strikes. Like if we, if we want to be a good team, we want to obviously help our, our teammates out by passing the ball well, for for me to get Donovan a shot. And and again, it goes back to a little bit of that is like the the time that you have to actually shoot the ball. Like it's... If you get a bad pass, it could affect you actually being able to catch and shoot the ball. And we've got... We've got guys that catch and shoot the ball at a a really high level. I don't know what percentage anyone shoots or anything, but I know for a fact the way we shoot the ball at practice and in games, like we've got a team that can, can shoot the ball at a high clip. So if we throw strikes then we were actually like we're obviously about to be able to shoot the ball and, and, and make the make the shot so uh, um we put a lot of emphasis at, uh granted we haven't had many practices this year but um I, on throwing like so if it's five on zero we'll be like scripting through some offense going through what we want to run for the next game or whatever it is and if you don't throw a strike and it's a bad pass like we're redoing the offense like coaches making the that group go again and like redo the whole like the whole or set or whatever we're doing so I mean guys are dialed into it because we don't have a choice like coach is going to hold us accountable to it which is 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 good and it's like even the players to a certain extent like sometimes you think coach is overdoing it with some things or like, does it, does it make that big a difference or whatever? But it, it really does and I think our guys dial into those things and we, we try and be as good as we can at them. I think, like, the turnovers is, is another one. Like, we we do have games of, of high turnover games and some of them, it's like, we, we are an unselfish team. We're going to move the ball. We're going to pass the ball. We're going to have more turnovers than other teams because we are unselfish. But it's the it's the bad turnovers that hurt you the most. The ones where like I had one like I threw it to Rudy in transition and it bounced off his hip or whatever. Like those ones like that was a bad one because one Rudy was running full speed and I threw it way too hard but um, that's just an example of a, a bad one. Like if you driving under the hoop and trying to find Rudy late or trying to kick it out for a better shot or or something like that it's it's a different turnover to a live ball turnover which gets them in transition and then we're running back and we have to Euro foul or or we're giving up an and one because we're late on on running back in defense so um, we we do take pride as a team on those those little details Um, and, and I think it makes a difference you can roll your eyes sometimes thinking coach is a little crazy but um, he he knows what he's talking about, and, and and our guys dial in on it, dial in on those things, and, and try and do it when we can.
3: So this is a get what you need day for the Jazz, and Joe Ingles has everything that he could possibly need. What does he want or do on a get what you need day? Um, I literally
4: just drove into the parking lot of the facility. Right now, I'm sitting in the car park. There's. Nobody else here. I think Mike uh, Elliot's here and a
3: couple of our trainers.
4: Um, so I dropped Jacob at school, came in, had to speak to you, knuckleheads, and then, yeah, I'll just go in, get some recovery, get some treatment. Um, for me, it's especially with the guys out at the moment, just about the, re- the re- recovery um, and all that stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah, get some recovery in for the next probably couple of hours I'll be here and then get home by lunchtime, have some lunch with Renee and go pick up the kids from school later, probably take them to the park or out like in, out, out, out of the backyard or whatever, get in the sun, and um, that'll be about it. So a relaxing day for me.
3: American life for an Australian. I like it.
4: Trying to be as... Un Americanist.
3: As...
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: you know I me. Mean? If, if, if there's going to be one person that's trying to stay, uh, stick to his roots of, of Australia, it's me. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't know how you handle here in Australia, or down in Australia, but here in America, as guys, we try not to mess up Mother's Day, and I would recommend uh, pajama gram or Minky Couture, but for no particular reason, that's just me. Just throwing it out there.
4: That sounds uh, like a cheap, a cheap uh, quick gift that you forgot that it was Mother's Day, and you're like, quick, let me go get a blanket.
0: Those are classy, high-end gifts, and bite your tongue. Well you make sure you
3: take a, you take care of Renee.
0: Renee. I uh, she's probably not
4: listening to this cuz I don't know what she's doing right now, but uh I, she's not she's on the board of uh, show up though. You should uh everyone should get on board of that. So she Yeah, I saw that. What is that about? Um are with Spencer Cox's wife um who's what do they call her the first lady of Utah or mm-hmm. something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um Yeah. But basically kind of uh, unifying, I guess, unifying um, kids with special needs or disabilities to to be included with um, the the regular kids at at school. So instead of the the school having a basketball team for the special needs kids and a basketball team for the, the, I don't even know what you call, the regular, quote-unquote, normal kids... um, they're unifying them and putting them together so that the 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 special needs kids get to to blend in with them and and vice versa they both get a, a taste of kind of what it's like and and the, the, I guess the whole inclusion and and not letting anyone feel not wanted or unappreciated or or anything like that so it's uh something obviously we're passionate about with, with Jacob anyway um, but to be able to get I think it's in a, a few schools in Utah here but we're Well, not we, Renee and the board that she's on um, with Abby Cox and and Ash. I think Ryan Smith's uh, Smith's wife is on it as well. Um, Trying to get it in basically in every school so that the the option is there. And it's, uh, I mean, I think it's something that's extremely important. I think not just in, in schools, but in every workforce and job and company, I feel like it. Someone with autism or an invisible disability or whatever it is shouldn't be not included or not looked at for a job just because of of what they're dealing with. So um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool and it gives Renee uh, a hell of a lot of work to do, which she's she's excited about. I
0: don't know if you follow Abby Cox on social media. And I don't know how much you know about the whole picture with the Bidens and the Carters and all that. But uh, Abby Cox, with a hilarious take, I retweeted it, and uh, you can go check it out on Twitter. It'll crack you oh, up. You retweeted it to your nine followers? Uh, yeah, right, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> one
4: of, one I'm of telling them, you about it my... so you
0: can retweet it to your million followers, and people can enjoy it in multiple hemispheres. Six of your nine followers
4: are in your studio with you right
0: now. Uh, Actually, there's no one in the studio with me. It's still COVID times here.
3: Uh, Well, that sucks for you guys.
0: (laughs) Uh, Not for PK, not so much.
3: It'll change soon. (laughs) Yeah, right? All of us will be back together, and we'll get Renai and the kids in the studio.
0: (laughs) We will, actually. We'll do that for sure. We'll do a live show. That'd be awesome. We're up for it. Cool. All right, Joe, we appreciate it. You get your uh, treatment and your recovery, and uh, we will watch you play the Nuggets, and then we will talk to you again next week thanks guys there's joe ingles when we come back what is trending all the headlines stay with us